0: morning, everybody. Mitch is out. He's um, visiting family um, in North Carolina, I think, if I'm correct. So I'll be preaching. So you got to bear with me. So guess where we're going to go? What book are we going to go to? Not Genesis. <laughs> I know every time I preach, I preach from Genesis, but we're going to actually make it to the New Testament today, I promise. Uh, but I loved uh, singing, and I, I love what was said about our song service, and it makes you feel good. You know, after you sing, you kind of feel good, you feel upbeat, and that's a lot, I think a lot of times, while the song leaders have a stand um, for, for times, just to kind of get us a little bit more energy, and I can kind of feel, uh, you know, you feel, part of that song It says, uh, my heart shall be your throne, um, uh, and it makes you feel good inside when we sing. But sometimes I find myself in my life, this is where I shut off, right here. My heartstrings, you know, go dull, and my analytical brain comes in. The sermon comes, and what usually my normal is when I'm up here is I take an Old Testament, uh, usually Genesis, I know, a book out of Genesis, and I talk about that, and my analytical brain turns on. Um, And that's how I trained my life. My life has been for the last 20 years is what does science say about this condition and what does science say how to treat it. We have empirical data. This is what it is and how it is. And that's how I've just been for most of my life. And we're going to do something completely different. My, I'm going to turn my analytical brain off and it's very hard for me to do that because that's how I work. That's how I think. I do not have an artistic side at all. In fact, when I was in uh, graduate uh, uh, not graduate school, when I was in um, elementary school, I don't know if you're old enough yet, but they don't have that anymore, they had handwriting um, grades. Who had handwriting grades? <laughs> Excuse me, I had handwriting grades, and I'm a lefty. So you're writing on a piece of paper and you're left-handed, you smear. Everything is one big smear. So I got multiple unsatisfactory comments. My mom would say, she would read it, I would got unsatisfactory in handwriting skills. Well, now that I'm here, I want to go back to my second and third grade teacher and really say, I'm left-handed, you should have cut me some slack. Um, but they didn't, and I, I just haven't had that, built that skill of being an artist in that brain. But today, we're gonna do something completely different, and you'll know. And it so happens to be the Thompsons are here, Colin and Melissa Thompson. They're over here, so we can all embarrass them later, okay? They are dear friends of ours, and I'm doing something totally out of my norm when they happen to just show up randomly. So good for them. So um, l- luckily, Dennis is not putting this on Facebook Live. <laughs> There's a song that about five years ago I heard for the first time in a congregation in Charleston, South Carolina, that was awesome. It was a song that I'd never heard before and um, I want it sung at my funeral. So if something happens, you'll know this song to sing at my funeral. And um, Brad's gonna put it on. Um, Anybody, can? it's called Restore My Soul. Can you raise your hand if you know this song? Okay, not many, maybe 15 so if you know this song will you stand up with me you can stand up because we're all going to stand up stand up if you know this song this is a wonderful song okay now everybody stand up so you know there's not many people that know this song okay (laughs) and to boot i'm going to try to lead this song ray i need you to sing out loud dan i need you to sing out loud if you don't know this song you need to you you, it's not hard it it simply starts off it goes like the 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 tune As you can tell, I'm not a song leader. Um, (laughs) Uh, It goes, Restore my spirit, Lord, I need restored. My heart is weary, please help me, dear Lord. I stand in need of more strength from your word. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Revive the fire, Lord, deep in my soul. Stir my desires, work in your fold. Lighten my heart, dear Lord, your children grow. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Renew my courage, Lord, it reads, restore. My cup is empty, refill it, dear Lord. Replace all doubt and fears with faith so bold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Awesome. We can sit, okay? So, uh, now you know this song. So, song leaders, we can sing this song. It's very simple. Um, What I want to talk about this morning is using this song, these three simple verses, and try to make some application to our lives. And the way I want to do it is I'm not the master teacher. There was one master teacher. Um, Jesus was the master teacher. But how did he teach? Many, many, many times he didn't come out and say exactly what was on his mind. He used parables, right? He used lots and lots of parables. But then there are other times, do you remember what he did um, if people asked him a question? He would throw the question back right at him, right? So one example is, you remember, when Jesus was doing all these miracles and the Pharisees came to him and says, tell us what authority you have to do these. Is it from heaven? Or from men, and Jesus knew their hearts. And what did He say? He asked them a question. Well, whose baptism was John from? And it kind of ooh, they were like, "Wow, I have no idea what to say." Okay. And other times, um, what's the other one I wrote wrote down? Um, oh yeah, in Matthew 19, when Jesus, uh, they were talking about uh, all the people were saying, "This man is uh, Elijah. This man." Is Moses and Jesus says to his apostles who do you say that I am right so he did a lot of times questions so this morning I want to look at uh, several questions pertaining to our lives as Christians and look at it maybe from a different way and hopefully we'll tie it into this song Um, so one of the first questions I wrote down is what do you know about God What do you know about God? Okay, God's name in Hebrew, Yahweh. God created the heavens and the earth and created everything in six days and on the seventh day he rested. God commanded the ark be built out of what wood? Gopher wood. What was the ark to be built out of? What wood? Acacia wood, right? We have so many, so much knowledge as this, this body in here, if we took a Bible test, we would all ace it. Have you ever been seen on Yahoo or MSN where they say, what's your Bible knowledge, and the first thing you wanna do is see how well, I mean, I've done it, to see how well you score and see if you get a good grade, if you got an A? And that's a great question. I think there's so much that we can do from that question, but I wanna ask a different, phrase it a little differently. Instead of asking you, "What do I know about God?" I want to ask you a simple question: Do you know God? Do you know God in your life? Do you feel His presence? That's the question I think that needs to be answered. Do you know God? And let me give you some Old Testament examples. Remember um, the man Joshua? You know he was uh, supposed to uh, lead, take over after Moses. <clears throat> remember that famous line that every child knows, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's look at another one, David. What would King David, a man after God's own heart, okay? Lots of things um, that David has said and in in, that we could pick a lot of them. But remember when he was a young man and he goes and visits his brothers And they're all afraid of this big, huge, nine-foot-tall, jolly green giant guy, right? What's the first thing that this little shrimp says? He goes in to all his brothers, and he sees all they're doing. He says, he looks at it and goes, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that taunts the living armies of God? Then we go on to, you can name all these famous passages that we know in the Bible, but why did they say that? Why did you have the courage to say that? Because they knew a lot of facts about God? They knew who he was? Or did they know God? Did they feel him in their bones? Did they feel God in their presence in their everyday walk of life? And that's what knowing God is. And that's what we need to do. Let me show you, if you go back, Brad, can you go back to the first verse? In this song. Restore my spirit, Lord. I need restored. My heart is weary. Do you think any of these Bible characters got weary? Please help me, dear Lord. I stand in need of more strength from your word. How do you know God? Okay, David, these guys, back in the Old Testament, they were talked to. They were part of, even Paul. Remember Paul, he got on the road to Damascus, Jesus came to him in a light, in a vision, right? That blinding light. And they knew that that kind of had some direct relationship. But how today do we know God? We gotta be in his word. And that word's gotta transform us. And I, and, I, and I dare say that sometimes I find myself pointing at fingers and looking at people who seem to be charismatic, maybe is the word, or I, when I was over, lucky to go with my brother over to Jerusalem, the very uh, Hasidic Jews and all the things that they wore, and I felt at that time that they were really for show and for tell. But the more I read about these sects, or here in, we have in uh, Etheridge, down there, the um, not Quakers, Amish. Amish, thank you, the Amish, thank you. Um, The Amish down there, they separate themselves outwardly. But I think inwardly, we have to know God with our heart. And so the only way to know God with our heart is to get in his word and to study his word and make his word a part of our life and not just know facts. Know God really the way he wants us to know him. Look um, Look, if you would, in John chapter 14. I want to read a passage. It's, these are all very famous passages, we know. John chapter 14. Okay. We're going to read John chapter 14 a few verses, but everybody look up at me for a second. Okay, I tell you, we're doing something very different. Don't think with your brain for a second. Turn, Guys, turn your brain off. Turn your logic off. Turn the logic off, okay? Turn it off for a second. Think whatever left, whatever the brain that's artistic, I don't even remember, I'm so logical, I don't even know it's right or left. It doesn't matter. Turn your brain off for a second and think with your heart. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. We're just going to read what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now on, you know him and have seen him. Have I been also so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abides in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on accounts of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who He who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than those shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. God, through Jesus, says... If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So I ask you, how do you know God? Because you know Jesus. And in your life, how do you demonstrate Jesus? By your works, by what you're doing in your life. Not about the facts that you can recapitulate, not about how smart you are, how intelligent you are. It's by showing that you know God. And let's go to another one. Let's go to the Old Testament. Something that we all know by heart has said, everybody says this all the time. Is everybody going to it already? Tell me when you get to Psalm 23. Again, you hear it so many times, but listen from your heart, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the first point from this song is we have to learn to know God, not know about him to know God. And so our soul gets restored. Secondly, a question I want to ask, and people have asked this for years, um, what is the meaning of life? Have you heard that before? What's the meaning of life? Remember that guy that no one can pronounce, Ponce de Leon, was looking for the fountain of youth? Remember that from history class back in the day? The meaning of life, great. It's great sit around and we can talk all day and we can kind of come to grips with what everybody thinks of the meaning of life. I want to flip that question a little bit different. I wrote down a different question to ask. Instead of what is the meaning of life? What are you doing in your life? That's meaningful. What are you doing in your life? That's meaningful. Once you've learned to know God in your life, and you've put God on, stop looking for the answer. Stop looking for well, when I get here, when I've done this when I get to this point, when I retire, when I come out of retirement and I retire a second time, okay. when I finish school, when I finally get to this point, then I'll have it all. So the question's not if, what is the meaning of when I get there? The question is, what are you doing right now that's meaningful in your life? And the wonderful thing about this congregation is There are a plethora of things that you can do right now to find meaning in your life to serve the Lord. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Another... Another famous passage in verse 25, we all know this uh, kind of story, Uh, Luke 10 and verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him, that's Jesus, to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? Okay, again, that question, really, what is, what can I do to get it? In verse 26, and he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered and said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and went off leaving him dead, half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, And likewise, a Levite also, when he had come to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he said to him, and he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be, the neighbors, to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. What was this, what's the point of the story? Okay, You've got to remember Samaritans were, um, uh, were enemies, really, of the Jewish people. So by Jesus saying that this um, really bad person helped out a fellow uh, Jew was very different than they'd ever heard. But the point that I think from all this is what Jesus is saying is, you're asking me what the meaning of life is and I'll tell you to find some meaning in your life. Do something for your fellow man. Do something for people. And that's what he used this Good Samaritan as an illustration to. And so that's kind of where we are in our, um, uh, what are we doing meaningful today, right now? And I'm going to write down, a, I wrote down a few things. Just in our congregation alone, okay? There's a men's group that meets every month, the second Saturday of every month. And if you're, uh, and Steve has said to over, I haven't been to one, but Steve has said all men are invited. It's for everybody. There's a women's group that meets once a month. Did you know at Brookdale, right down the road, yeah, it's close around here. My directional sense is not good. Brookdale, Mitch preaches there every Thursday at 10 a.m., okay? We have a jail ministry, Vince. I was waving to Vince. he's, He's covering for me at the jail today, so he's going there to the jail. You want to get involved in that, you can. You want to do whatever you want? That's the great thing about this eldership. Whatever you want... If they think it's good for the Lord and it is within their power, they're going to help you do it. So I put a question mark here because you can come up with it. okay? And as a side, I have been uh, volunteered slash drafted to help out with uh, our weekend getaway. So there's a weekend getaway at Montgomery State Park. It's 45 minutes away on April 28th and 29th. The elders, I think all the elders are going, um, and there's room for anybody um, to go. April 28th and 29th, uh, I've been to one in the past. There are a lot of, we have fun together, we worship our God, we do so much wonderful things together, we get to know each other better, and that's a way that we can do, help each other out in other options, okay, because we kind of come up with things that we can do um, to help out in this service. Okay, so there's lots of things that we can do, but the key for this in this verse, will you go to uh, the second verse? The second verse is, Revive the fire, Lord, deep in my soul. So if you've gone cold, stir my desire to work in your fold. Lighten my heart, dear God, my zeal grown cold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, O restore my soul. So if you need to find a work, Find one of the elders, find Mitch, find anybody who you see, who you feel that's a little bit on fire and you need to rekindle that, find them and they can help you in that work. The last question, simple enough, is I wrote down the, the, the third question and I hear all the time and I said this to myself so many times is, have you ever heard our have you ever said, how can I spread the gospel? I read in Matthew chapter 28, Mark 16, I read all these examples, is how do I spread the gospel around this community, around the world? And I, want to, I wrote a different question down. Instead of saying, how can I spread the gospel? Number two, how is my life showing, demonstrating there is a God in heaven? That's spreading the gospel right there. How's my life demonstrating there is a God in heaven? Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Very, very famous. The Beatitudes. Do you remember the Beatitudes? Look at... Uh, the Beatitudes are in uh, that we call them Beatitudes in verses uh, three uh, following. And we always kind of translate that blessed is happy are the poor in spirit. But look what, what they are. All these things are inward things to how you know God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, inwardly. Bless, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Okay? All of these things are inward changes to get outward results in your life. Okay? But the verse I want to focus in on is in verse 13. All right? Very famous again. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how would it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world... A city set on a hill hill cannot be hidden." And so the question really is, how can my life demonstrate there's a God in heaven? I don't know, that's a question you got to an answer. What can I do in my life that demonstrates that I believe in God? Maybe it's controlling your tongue, James talks about that. Controlling what you say, controlling what you do, controlling the friends you have to demonstrate there's, God, there's a God in heaven. And what I find really interesting is going to, uh, again, the passage that was read in Luke chapter 19. All this sums up in a passage that I've I've colored and I've talked about all my life in Luke chapter 19, but I never actually thought about this wee little man, Zacchaeus. When you know God through his word... uh, when you demonstrate God in your life, um, and also when you find out when you find meaning in your life, I think it's summed up in Luke chapter 19. And I want to go through this, and then the lesson will be yours. Everybody remember the story about Zacchaeus? Anybody colored this story about Zacchaeus? Okay. And he, that's Jesus in verse 1, and he entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax gatherer, and he was rich. Okay, that's what we know about Zacchaeus. So what do you got? What, what's, the thought, what's most people's thought in their mind? Zacchaeus was a rich man, he was a short man, and he was a bad man or good man? Everybody thinks he's a bad man. I'm going to argue that he I don't know what he was, but I argue that I don't think he was a bad man. I remember this story so much so often. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Tax collectors were bad. They were, right, Judas. What was Judas? He was a treasurer. And what did he do? He stole. He was a bad, bad person. But let's think about it. Why, why would they have tax He was a Jew, right? Zacchaeus was a Jew. Why would he be a tax gatherer? Why wouldn't you just say, okay, like we all do, we pay our taxes, we pay our, you know, coming up in April, we all pay our taxes, hopefully. We all pay our taxes. um, Or we get a refund back from the government. But why did a Jew have another Jew collect taxes? Let's go back to the Roman time. Romans were involved. What did they have? Everybody seen a coin of a Roman? They didn't have dollar bills. They had coins. What was on the coins? Caesar, what is one of the commandments? Thou shalt not have any idols before me. Jews, back in the day, I can't hold money. I can't be a part of money. This This is an idol to Caesar, walking around with, you know, we have stuff on there. So Jews paid other Jews to collect their taxes, and then they changed their money into Hebrew money. And then they bartered with money. So, from my reading and talking to a Jewish scholar, they didn't do their uh, day to day money buying bread with denarii, with, with their money. They got tax collectors to do that part for Rome. They did their part in their own currency. Okay? So, this man was paid, Zacchaeus was paid by the Jews to hold. The money that they thought was sacrilegious because it had a Roman deity or a Roman god, emperor on there. Okay? And he was rich because he was paid to do this and everybody had to pay taxes. So he's rich. So from my reading in verse 2, we know nothing that he was a cheater or a swindler. It doesn't say that. It says he was rich from doing his job. Okay? So let's move on. And his job was given by his fellow Jew to t- take up taxes. And verse 3, and he was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And he ran on ahead, and climbing up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through the way. Okay, so again, I remember, call, I remember, I remember my brother uh, had Zacchaeus uh, in a tree, and everybody draws that, but my brother had him falling out of the tree and hitting his head like Humpty Dumpty. And uh, the teacher was not too happy with my brother doing that, but... Um, Okay, yes, he was a small guy, he wasn't very tall, so he couldn't see in the crowd, okay? But think about it anymore. Did the Jews like Zacchaeus? Did the Jews like a tax gatherer? No, they hated tax gatherers. They were sinners. They were awful people. They were the dredge of society. Why? Because they handled the money that was from the emperor, okay? But there may be more to the story than him just going up in a tree. If there was a crowd and we were gathered around and we had something that was awful come near me, if you had somebody, were you allowed to touch a sinner? You became unclean and you're out of the temple. I mean, you're out of the city, right? So Zacchaeus, not only, he probably was trying to get there and everybody was like, Get away, you sinner. Get out of here. I can't stand you, Zacchaeus. I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing. You are nothing to me. I'm a Jew. So Zacchaeus, yeah, he was up in the tree. But partially, I guarantee you, he was up in the tree because no one else wanted to be around him. Yeah, he was short and he couldn't see. But he was also a sinner in the eyes of all these other people. And so what does Jesus do when he sees this man up here? And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. That's the first thing that strikes my eye. Maybe, I don't know what Zacchaeus was doing, but he was observant. Jesus saw what was going on. And have you ever been in a room, you know something's awkward, you know something's not right, and you know something's different? And what's the first thing that I do? Mm, mm, That's not Jesus, right? He sees the sinner. He sees what's going on. He looks up, and what's he say? Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now, if you're a Jew and you see this sinner up in a tree, this, this pariah that no one can stand, and this man walks in and says, sees the crowd of all these beautifully dressed Jews, all these things going on, and he points up and looks at the guy that everybody hates and says, I'm going to your house tonight. Boy, getting the crawl of the Jews, that would make me so mad. If I thought that but that's not what Jesus thought he said I need to go to that man's house let's read on and when he saw uh, and he hurried down Zacchaeus in verse 6 and came down and received him (laughs) gladly what do you think this man who'd been a pariah all his life do you think people talked to him a lot do you think he was the life of the party you know if you've ever been around my wife a lot right she's the one that laughs and giggles and smiles and has fun She's oftentimes the life of the party. I'm not looking over there just so I make sure I embarrass her good, right? Zacchaeus was not the life of the party. He was a nobody. People hated him. And he came down. He saw this man says, come down from the tree. I'm going to your house. How good does Zacchaeus feel? This is a day he's probably been waiting on for years. And in verse 7, and when they saw the crowd, that all had begun to grumble, saying, "He has gone to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner." And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, "This is why I think that we get off, or at least in my mind, that Zacchaeus was a bad man. Does the text say, in verse 8, "Behold, Lord, I have stolen, I'm going to give back to the poor." The text to me reads: Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. Half of my possessions, I'm rich. Lord, what you did for me now by inviting me to your house, by saying I'm going to your house, Lord, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. To me it reads, Zacchaeus says, I cannot believe this guy is doing all this for me. I'm ready to give away half of what I want, of what I have. What did the parable of the rich man? What did Jesus say to him? Go and give away everything and you've done good. Zacchaeus didn't wait for Jesus to say that. He said, "Lord, I'm going to give half of it away. I don't need this money, I need you. And if I've defrauded someone, I'll give them back fourfold." And verse 9, the wonderful, amazing Jesus says, to him. Today, salvations, or lots of versions say, deliverance has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And it's interesting, um, deliverance, there's a word in uh, deliverance, uh, the word in Hebrew, I had to look it up, I didn't know, is Yahshua. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. deliverance. Okay, Yeshua is the word where we get Joshua from. Does it sound like similar? Yeshua, Joshua. Yeshua is with a Y, but it's Joshua. What is the Greek word for Joshua? Jesus. Read this again in verse 9. And Jesus said to him, let's read it in Hebrew. Today, Yahshia has come to this house. Jesus was making a play on, I think, his name. He said, today, Jesus is coming to your house and giving you deliverance. How awesome is that? How wonderful is Jesus and what a mastery of words. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. He's the master of everything Jesus was. To see what he did with an individual person to show that he knew the word of God that he was had meaning in his life and he made meaning in this one individual's life and he was able to do all these wonderful things shows me that when i when i become down on my life and i want to give back get back to where i were where i need to be i think of this song and i think of jesus and i think of all the wonderful things he does and the last verse it says, Renew my courage, Lord, it needs restored. My cup is empty. Refill it, dear Lord. Replace all doubt and fear with faith so bold. Renew my love. Rebuild my faith. Oh, restore my soul. And that's simply that's all I got for you. A little bit more long winded than I usually am. But that's it. That's where we want to be in our lives. We want to find a way that we can know God in our lives. We want to find a way that we can find meaningful, meaningful actions in our lives. And we also want uh, uh, want to show that there is a God in heaven through our actions. And so we're going to do something a little bit different. Before we lead the invitation, we're going to sing this song one more time. Stand up. I told you it's going to be different today. Now everybody knows this song. So I'm going to take my mic off because I know it was rough the first time, so I don't want to put you over the second time. But I want us to sing this song knowing that we all need restoring We all need this in our lives. Some people are at a different point in their lives, and some people are at a point where they're at their deepest despair, and they don't know where to look up and this song's for you. And even if you are at the pinnacle of your faith, realize that you always need Jesus in your life. We all always need to restore our soul. So after we sing this song, um, we'll have another song by our brother uh, as an invitation song. Right, let's sing. Restore my spirit.